Open. Outspoken. It's ophthalmology off the grid. An honest look at controversial topics in the field. I'm Blake Williamson. I'm Gary Wirtz. Welcome to another episode and a new season of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. In this episode, Dr. Blake Williamson brings back the podfather himself, Dr. Gary Wirtz, to co-host the 2023 season. This year, they break down the business side of ophthalmology and how physicians can successfully build their brand. Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in ophthalmology. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid, and this is a very, very special episode. Number one, this is the uh, first episode of the 2023 season uh, of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. You know, this past year uh, has been awesome. Um, the podfather, uh, Dr. Gary Wirtz, uh, passed on the baton to me to kind of host this um, uh, for a while. And I had a really fun time in 2022. Um, we had guest hosts. Um, we did a lot of innovative things uh, and talked about many topics that, that, that seemed to resonate with a lot of our colleagues. But, you know, there was a certain void that I felt. Um, and it's almost like if you're in a band um, and you're the bass player in a band, which is what I consider myself to be in this band, and the lead singer, uh, uh, lead guitarist decides to come back to the band. And so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you may have seen this on um, uh, social media with all the announcements, but um, Gary Wirtz, the man himself, the podfather, is back for the new season, 2023 of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. Gary, how are you? Oh, man, it is so good to be back, Blake. And, you know, it was like... I thought I was handing off a baton and I guess it was a boomerang because it came back around. But, you know, all I think all good things in life, you know, it's sort of like you let them go. And and man, you you and the other guest hosts did an amazing job last year. I loved uh, being the cheerleader on the side and tweeting out and sharing links and, and trying to, um, you know, be a cheerleader. But, uh, you know, I guess it was hard. It, it ended up being hard for me. Uh, because I really missed it. You know, it's a responsibility, I think. And you took that mantle and the other guest hosts uh, came along and did such a wonderful job. Uh, but when the opportunity presented itself this year to come back and and be with you, man, I just enjoy, I enjoy our conversations, um, whether we're doing podcasts, whether we're on the beach, whether at a meeting or just talking over, you know, a drink or whatever. I enjoy our conversations. And I think more than anything else, when we're enjoying what we're doing, hopefully other people are going to as well. Um, I don't know that there is a whole lot that we are going to um, give um, to our listeners from an academic standpoint. I think if you're looking for an academic podcast or uh, those sorts of things, um, I don't know if that's our niche. You know, I'll be honest with that. But the thing that, about ophthalmology off the grid that's always been special to me is learning from our friends and our mentors and our colleagues and even our junior colleagues about the things that really make them tick, the things behind the slit lamp or or behind the white coat that makes each doctor and each practice special and unique. 
And those are the things that usually I walk away from a meeting and I think, oh my gosh, you know, I just ran into Bill Wiley and he's doing it this way. And you know what? I, I haven't read this and he didn't lecture about it, but I'm going to start doing things a little differently in my practice because of those hallway chats. And so it's always been about that. I have loved doing it. I have learned so much and hopefully that resonates with our with our audience. And I'm just so happy to be back. And whatever we have, you know, we'll, we will give our soul on this podcast. Uh, hopefully it's fun, but uh, hopefully it's also a, a, a special time that we can just share what works in our practice and share you know, practical wisdom with our listeners. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, there's great academic podcasts out there. We would name one by name, uh, a special podcast from down under and, and the New Zealand area, but they haven't invited us on yet. So we're not going to, we're not going to give them a shout out. We're, we're going to. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. God, you named him. Uh, no. So, but what, what's great is like, um, you know, what I love ha having you back um, for, is, for many things other than just that I love you is, is the ideas that you have. And and one thing that we were trying to focus on is like, wouldn't it be cool if each season had a different focus or a different sort of like, you know, if we kind of stayed on the track and just tried to conquer one thing uh, for one season and then move on the next season and talk about something different. And um, you kind of, you know, said something to me, um, about the business of ophthalmology and growing your brand and growing your business. Maybe talk to our listeners about what sort of the theme is this year. Well, the the theme for Ophthalmology Off the Grid 23 is building your business and your brand. Um, this is something that has been resonating with me over a while. I've, I've become a, a practice owner. Um, so, you know, that's one of those things that it's an evolution in in from being a you know undergrad pre-med medical student uh, going all the way through fellowship etc but like that final piece is being a practice owner and so i kind of feel like i've gotten to the end of that uh, evolution if you will and i'm thinking a lot about okay what is a business how do i build a brand you know th these are things that it it goes beyond just doing high volume cataract surgery or just understanding the ins and outs of who to do a premium lens on. It's bigger than that. And so I look at people like Rob Melendez, you know, he's, he's built an amazing practice, Juliet I uh, out in New Mexico and how he's, you know, has an amazing meeting now outliers. And I think about just, you know, the ophthalmology business minute that he's doing, like there's, there are people like Uday Devkin who is building his personal brand. Um, you know, the cataract coach, I think we see people who develop niches in ophthalmology, whether it's, um, you know, a very specific area that they're going deep in, or they are just providing excellent care to their patients. I'm really interested to know about how they've gone about that because everyone goes at it a little bit differently. And everyone, I think, has different pearls they can share, especially with those who are coming behind us, right? I, I think a lot of what this, the mission of this podcast is, is really to share wisdom with people at an earlier stage, so they don't necessarily have to go through the the hard knocks that, that we went through. Um, and so, if we can if we can pass along some some knowledge, I think that's fantastic. And I don't know that there's something out there right now that is teaching ophthalmologists how to build their brand or their business. And I thought this is just a good opportunity for us to look at those people who are doing it with excellence and asking them a series of questions which will be more or less a framework. And this will evolve probably each episode, but we've kind of come up with some questions where we can kind of get towards the root of what makes each person tick, what makes them special in terms of their brand and their business.
So I think having a framework like this, it will go in a lot of different directions, but it will get to the core of, of, of how people are building a brand in a business. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, you know, it, for, for those who don't know Gary and I, like we, we have a very, very similar sort of practice in terms of, you know, very high volume cataract refractive. Um, and, and, and to your point, like, you know, I, I don't know that I need to listen to a podcast to tell me about which premium IOL to choose for a patient. I think that's super important, but, but I might be able to get that information elsewhere. You know, I have to say that, that when we start talking about this theme for the, for the season, you know, selfishly, I was like, this is what I want to hear about. I want to hear about how to build my, my business, right? I know who, who needs a MIGS device. I know which MIGS device I'm going to use, my algorithm. I know wh- how, so how to read a Pentacam to decide if it's LASIK PRK versus ICL. You know, like, on, on, not that I don't have a ton, ton to learn, I do. But selfishly, right now in this moment with where I am as a practice owner, um, you know, I want to know how to build, you know, my business. And so, um, you know, we're going to kind of come up with a few questions like, like Gary mentioned, but, you know, maybe what I'll do is, is ask you the first one. Um, you know, the first one that, that we, that we both kind of came up with is, is, you know, just tell us like, what's one of the biggest mistakes that you made, um, in your practice, uh, of going in opto. Yeah. This one is easy for me because I think when it's your biggest mistake, it's something that you've probably learned the most from hopefully. Um, and for me, it was, it was either underestimating the complexity of, of starting a practice or overestimating my ability to learn and adapt um, as a business owner. Okay. So when I came out of residency, I had an opportunity to start my own practice, but it was a practice that was in a rural area. It was going to be supported by the hospital for one year. And then I, I was going to owe them basically five years of my time that I had to be there. And there's a category of the things you don't know, the things that you know, and the things that you don't know you don't know. I think most of us, when we make big mistakes, it's usually either in the category of the things that you think you know, but are you're wrong about, or it's the things you don't know that you don't know. And so for me, um, I probably... I just didn't realize how hard it would be to start a practice in that area, especially with the long-term vision of being a high volume cataract and refractive surgeon. It just really wasn't in alignment uh, long-term with my goals. And so it's really, but it's really, really hard when you're poor and you're tired um, and you've been doing this, you've been in training forever. For In my situation, I had a, a wife and two kids um, you know, we were, I mean, I just couldn't afford to, to do a fellowship. I needed to get out and work. And this was sort of the highest paying uh, job opportunity I had, but it was short-term gain, long-term loss for me. Yeah. M- mine is, is sort of twofold. Um, the first thing being how hard it would be, um, to sort of change the outside perception of our practice as like a referral center. Um, how, how difficult it would be to start getting optometrists to, to form that relationship outside ODs. And the second one was being sort of my hesitancy, my hesitancy to grow and buy other practices earlier in my career. So on the first thing, it's, you know, we were always so very different than, than, than Gary's practice, which is, has a lot of wonderful op- optometric referrals. You know, ours is all in-house pretty much. We have a few uh, outside ODs, but we have ODs at every single location. We have opticals at every location. And that's just not the model 
that most referral centers uh, operate on with some exceptions. And I just thought that I, you know, I'm so personable, Gary, uh, and I'm a sharp guy and I go speak at meetings and I put it on Facebook. Look at me. I'm up here talking about something. And I thought people would care about that. Turns out they don't. Turns out what they care about is the long term, you know, relationship that they've had with the, with the other practice in town that is all optometric referral. And no matter how much I charm them or no matter how much, you know, lunches and dinners, we went out and had fun and, and got to, you know, I never could really crack it. And that took me like two years to realize it's like, they just don't like me, you know, or, or then I realized it wasn't me. It was just like, they really like their other guy. So, so, and, and that's the long-term thing and it was never going to change. And so I spent so much time my first two years in practice, you know, just trying to, you know, put a, a square peg in a round hole when I should have just said, you know what, that's just not our practice model. We, we love ODs. We were started by ODs. My grandfather was an OD. We have, you know, 17 wonderful optometrists that work for me in my practice. And I work right alongside them. They practice full scope, uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things. So that was that. And then on the growth side, you know, we've now acquired two practices in the past couple of years. And boy, I thought it'd be such a big risk and challenge. And it just has gone really well. And we had some opportunities my first couple of years, seven years ago in practice that I kind of just passed on. And I kind of said, I don't know, like, are we growing too fast, too soon type of thing? And I think that was a mistake. I think that if we had acquired these same practices seven years ago, you know, we might be twice our size at this point. Yeah, that's it's interesting looking back how how you do things differently. But, uh, you know, sometimes the lessons we learn the hard way, you know, stick around the longest with us and make the biggest impression. So you asked me the first question. I'll ask, I'll ask you the next question. Um, it's sort of the flip side. What was the best business decision you've made? Or maybe even not you, but in your practice that you've benefited from? Yeah, I, I think the best decision that I made at Williamson Eye Center is recognizing early on that we needed to have some people named not Dr. Williamson owning our practice. Um, and I learned that uh, from Vance Thompson. Um, because to be honest with you, I didn't know who, my first year in practice. I didn't know who Vance Thompson was. I knew who John Bernal was. He was the guy I was seeing <laughs> everywhere. Um, right. And, and, and at the first, I was like, well, that's weird. I wonder why John Bernal works at Vance Thompson Vision. Uh, and then now. Yeah, who's this Vance guy? Who's, right. who's this Vance character? Totally. And, and at the time, and, and now years later, I'm like, wow, that's a pretty gangster move that, his, you know, a guy like John and, and Mike and, you know, Deb and all those amazing folks there. Um, they work at Vance Thompson Vision. I was like, that's actually really cool. Uh, for the longest time, we were owned uh, just by a single um, owner, which was my dad, um, which I've shared before. Um, and uh, that was just the practice model. You know, they, they owned all the ASC and the practice itself. And um, and and early on, I, we, we kind of had some talks and I said, listen, you know, um, I'm always going to be a majority, majority shareholder of Williamson Eye Center, for sure. However, um, I believe that, you know, we need to have some young, talented surgeons and the way to attract them is to give them skin in the game, not only on the practice, but own a significant points in the ASC, not one or two percent, you know. Um, so I, I think in that, and I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, just yesterday uh, we signed our second um, non-Williamson owner of Williamson Eye Center in the ASC. So we, we I now have uh, two partners along with my father. Um, and I just think that that's a great sort of mindset shift for the culture of our practice, um, the buy-in um, and, and the skin in the game aspect of it, um, I think is going to elevate us and push us along uh, for years to come. How about you? Yeah, that's that's 
very interesting because it's a little bit counterintuitive, um, I think, to the old guard, uh, where ownership was sacred and never to be parted with unless it was, you know, absolutely essential. Um, the environment we're in right now with private equity, though, is is interesting because less and less of our generation or the generation just below us um, will be getting those opportunities. Um, but you know. Keeping people enfranchised, you know, giving them an opportunity to actually have skin in the game and be an owner, um, you know, if incentivized the right way, it's a win-win for everybody. Um, I think I will say the best business decision I've made, um, I would have to say that it's probably hitching my wagon, you know, to to my partner, uh, Lance Ferguson. Um he has provided me with so much, um, so much opportunity. I'll, I'll say it like that. You know, he, he just trained me in refractive surgery when that's sort of a hard thing, uh, to find. It's hard to find a mentor who's willing to sort of sit with you and teach you refractive surgery and, and give you a big slice of business. Um, he has been like a big brother to me in a lot of ways, um, with sitting me down and, you know, telling me, hey, you know, maybe I wouldn't do that. Or maybe, you know, we should approach something, you know, a little different way. And, you know, I'm hard to manage. I, I have my own ideas about things. Um, we probably all do. Um, and I try to be a good partner. I try to be the best partner I can. But, um, you know, I'm sure that I, it's probably not always easy to be, to be my partner. Um, and he's been really good to me in so many ways. Um, so I think that, in the big, in the in the grand scheme of things, it's sort of like picking the right spouse. You know, there is so many downstream positive or negative effects that that can have on your life, and picking the right person to partner with, um, and I will also say, making it work. Right? It's not just about is are they the right partner for you. It's also about trying to figure out how to make things work and. Figuring out when to bring certain things up and when to hold back, you know, and this is a dance. So, you know, I've learned a little bit on, you know, through in both <laughs> both partnerships on how to do that, both my marriage and my and my partnership on on that dance. So I think, but I definitely would say, um, you know, I got a great opportunity. I took that opportunity and I've been thankful for that. So that's that's it. Yeah, I mean, you look at what what you do, and 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 you know the the living that you're able to make for your family and provide. I mean, it's got to be at the very top of of ophthalmology in terms of what we do annually, and um, you know, the autonomy and and all that stuff. And I've had to learn that too. Is like sometimes you don't have to be best friends. You know, sometimes you just got to be partners. That's the word. It, there's, right. there's a reason why you know a partner is different than a best friend, right? Or or a, a spouse, or you know, whatever. Um, and I've learned that because family business is tough business, but it's also beautiful sometimes and uh, and really special. Uh, and other times it's extremely frustrating. And that's the <laughs> truth. That's just the truth. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. And, and, um, and but but I feel like if I, I don't know that I would trade my situation for anybody, really. Um, um, you know, so so I think that's great. So we, we have a few other questions. What, what, what's maybe like the, the, the last one that you want to ask about? I, I think probably... I, I like, this is sort of gets to the why, but like, I would just ask you, how do you define success? Because I think at different phases of our life, we're always sort of looking towards a certain mountaintop of like, 
when I get here, I'll be successful. Or once I achieve this milestone or whether it's personal or business, and those, de those definitions may be very different, but I would love to know how, how Blake Williamson defines success, because I kind of feel like when you know your definition of success, it sort of informs a lot of other decisions that you're, that you're making along the way. And that kind of gets to the core of, of building your brand in your business. I, I think this is a hard question. Honestly, like I think that at the end of the season, Gary and I are going to come back together and kind of see if we answer would answer these questions differently after we have all of our guests this season answer these questions. But just off the top of my head from that one, like almost like feel like it, it, it's it's like that question that you get asked sometimes about like, uh, you know, when you met your 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 wife. But at the time, like, how did you know she was the one? And, uh, you know, and that's such a hard question. And for me, one of the best answers I've ever got to it. Um, was they, uh, someone told me once, um, I think it came from a film actually, but they said, uh, they said, uh, you know, this is how I know that, 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 that my wife was the one when I met her after dating for a while. Um, I closed my eyes and I tried to imagine my life without her and I just couldn't do it. And that's how I knew that she was the one, right? Like I couldn't even fathom like, you know, how, what, where, you know, who else would I have been with? Where would you have moved? I just, it didn't, I, I couldn't figure that out. So Similarly, like when I close my eyes and think about like, if I could just blow it all up and like have a different, you know, type of practice, different style of practice, different role and niche within my practice, um, you know, what would it look like? And certainly there's like minor changes, I guess, but like, it's kind of like a blank slate because I, I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, I'm in a really good place uh, with that. And so I think that, you know, I'm successful within my business because, you know, I'm not closing my eyes thinking like, wow, there's this glaring thing that I would absolutely change. Um, so that that's one way within, within my, my business. And then, you know, personally, I think that, um, you know, when I kind of, when I'm you know, having these special moments with my family um, and my three boys, you know, my boys are eight, four and three right now. And I just see them doing all these like amazing every, every day, there's new, something new that's amazing. And I'm just so thankful for that. I'm thanking God si silently. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm like, man, thanks. This is so awesome. You know? So I, I think that, you know, being constantly thankful and realizing how lucky we are to live the life that we're living and doing what we're doing um, and just have a smile on my face, you know, most of the day, I guess that's how I would define success. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's, it's, um it's interesting. I, I think a lot of times when I'm doing cataract surgery, it's sort of like mowing grass for me in some ways because you're getting in that flow state and you're sort of concentrating, but sometimes your mind is allowed to sort of think about other things. Not that I'm not concentrating what I'm doing, but um, you know, you're sort of in that flow state. And to me, having something that provides me with daily joy, fixing people's vision, you know, in, you know, intervening and correcting um vision loss in one way or another and knowing that i will always be looking for something better and and there will always be something more to learn i think that to me it's it's sort of like understanding that there will be no destination but each step along the journey will provide different insights um, a different level of satisfaction and also being able to share and give back and, and, and teach and educate 
when you do find those things, those nuggets along the way. So I can tell you what it's not also. And so that's maybe this is why I feel like it's more about this net, this constant pursuit of excellence and understanding that I'll never get to perfection, but I'm going to constantly strive for it. I've had other milestones in my life where I've said, well, once I do this, I'll be happy. Or once I achieve this volume or this amount of money or whatever. And the reality is putting milestones out there is, is, is helpful in, in getting yourself to achieve something but it's not very helpful in terms of making you happy. So it really is not. So I would just encourage, you know, a lot of us when we're in medical school and residency, we're sort of living our life in four-year increments thinking, oh, once I get in med school, I'll be happier. Once I get in residency, I'll be happier. Once I get that first job, I'll be happier. Once I get married, I'll be happy. But the reality is, you know, all those things, you know, as soon as you get your MD, it's kind of cool for about a week. Like I'm Dr. Williamson, I'm Dr. Wirtz. You know, and then after a week, it's like, okay, like that's just the new normal, you know? And so that mountaintop experience can turn into, you know, baseline pretty quickly. So I think really success is, a, I mean, it's kind of a cliche. It's about the journey, but you have to find a journey that excites you, that you're willing to get out of bed every day for, and, and just keep trekking up that mountain, knowing that it's infinite. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can't wait to hear from guests this season. Um, you know, um, who, who answer some of these some same questions. You know, we may ask these, we may ask uh, one or two more depending on time. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be unique, you know. Um, and I think that people are really going to take away um, um, something that, that's important um, and that will hopefully uh, let them do better within their practice and their community um, and in their family um, and everything else. So I'm really looking forward to it, buddy. It's going to be a good season. I am too. And, and just like when we, when you started this for us, I think it's really about getting those guests and connecting with them and you and I learning from them and everyone else just being, being along for the ride. And, uh, it's been a wonderful journey so far. I've enjoyed it and I can't wait to see what this season brings. So thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. And thank you to our co-hosts, Drs. Blake Williamson and Gary Wirtz. Tune in next time for a further discussion of the business of ophthalmology.